and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line, Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald, wearing a Flanagan's hat. I just realized that as I was introducing you. They're actually paying me now as a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Flanagan's fan. No, we're getting free rib rolls for this. Yeah, I'm a big Flanagan's fan, so I'll, I'll do it for free, happily. Um, Anthony, what's going on? Too much. Um, all season full effect. Yeah. Uh, we had exit interviews last week, which we spoke right. about, and then this week we had Pat uh, give his Pat Riley give his season-ending press conference, which kind of marks the end of. Yes, that is. Me, the, like, you're officially in the off season. Officially in the off. Whatever. Yeah, wraps up everything. Up. Yeah, wraps last season up, and now we're looking forward to the draft, free agency, summer league, and all that good stuff. Yeah, the, the Pat stuff will be the focus of our conversation today. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of uh, NBA Finals and some free agency preview chatter kind of stuff. Um, but let's start with Pat. Um, like you said, that kind of marks the end of the season. It's always a, a big day in Heat world because Pat doesn't talk very often. And, right. um, you know, I think he tends to be relatively candid in these uh, end, of, end of season chats. Um you know, after last year, he was obviously pretty, like, open about uh, wanting to upgrade a little bit. And they, they went out and got Kyle Lowry. I mean, every, obviously, the signature Pat post, postseason press conference, probably 2014, right, when he uh, kind of called out LeBron, basically. Yeah. Um, I, and I honestly, uh, just kind of off topic, I've been thinking a lot about that, his quote from that press conference lately, that, like, it's supposed to be hard kind of deal, because um, I think that, uh, in a lot of ways, kind of defines current, the current era of the NBA where, you know, there, there's not these super teams necessarily like there were. Um, and, and it's back to, you know, teams got to kind of struggle and, and grind a little bit and you take your losses and eventually you get over the hump. You're obviously seeing that with the Celtics right now. And um, I think and it's it's definitely possible that we could see the Heat kind of follow that same philosophy this, this offseason. Although Pat also did say um, – they would be proactive uh, this offseason. I guess that's where we should start in trying to improve the team. Um, what do you take that to mean? Yeah, I think that was maybe the most interesting quote. Yeah. In the 45 minutes he spoke, which he was very candid, very open, and gave great stuff as usual. I, I, I in my opinion, I think Pat Riley's the best interview in sports, probably, or what, definitely like top five, I would say. Definitely uh, like for how like in important of a figure right like there's guys who are just like great personalities but right. they're like you know like maybe a bench warmer or whatever or uh but yeah for considering he's exactly. one of the yeah 30 most important people in the nba probably maybe even like higher than that um yeah yeah considering um, so the, the quote that stuck out to me was if we ran it back we would have a very good team yeah you have to be i think very proactive in looking at how you're going to improve you can always think about running it back and, and be successful, but is that going to be what's going to lead to a championship? That's all you think about. So to me, like I take that quote as, and obviously it's not a surprise. Like if they brought this team back, they're going to be very good. Right. Right. Like what we said last year, there, there seems to be a top three in the East right now with Brooklyn as the wild card, and and they are in it. And I don't think any of the three are separated by so much. Right. And, you're right. So they'll be in that tier, um, but. Is it good enough to win title? I mean, to me, I think one if you're one shot away, you're good enough to win the title, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, the Heat were good enough to win a championship this year. But what Pat was saying is 
if there's a if there's a move out there to upgrade this roster and be better, they're going to do it, right? Which is not a surprise. They're going to do right. it every year. They, they'll they'll shop the market and see what's out there and see if there's a deal to be made. Um, but again, I stick with what I said last week. I think chances are, unless Donovan Mitchell, unless a Bradley Beal, unless a Damian Lillard or whoever else you want to come up with, I've seen the Kyrie rumors now over the past right. few weeks, which yeah. I really don't get, I but whatever. Um, unless that happens, like, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, unless that happens, I, I think most of this core is back next year, at least most of it, you know, um, which is why I think Pat then later in the press conference, which was, which was always also interesting, challenged Bam Adebayo mm-hmm. and Tyler Hero to be better next season because that might end up being the best, the Heat's best chance at taking another step forward, internal improvement with those two guys. Um, he said Tyler Hero needs to be a better defender and become a two-way player. If he wants a starting spot, he has to earn it in training camp, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then Bam, he talked about getting him more consistent, you know, his aggressiveness on offense, more consistent, taking 15 shots a game, not having these weird, like, game-to-game situations like he's had in the playoffs where he takes four shots one game and then 22 right. shots the next game, six shots the third. It's like, you know, like things that fans have been saying now for the past year, he he said the same thing pretty much. So I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, to me, my takeaway was that. They'll make a deal if it's out there, but chances are if they bring this roster back, it's going to be through internal improvement that this team gets better. Um, and it's going to be mostly up to Bam and Tyler as the two young cornerstones of this franchise. Uh, to kind of lead that internal improvement movement, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. Bam has been kind of the every offseason, I think, basically of the last three or four years has been like the guy who is like all eyes on him on and how he keeps improving. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, right? Obviously, he is a much better player than he was, I think, a year ago, uh, even probably than he, you know, I think the year he was an all star that first year. He's, you know, he's probably, I know he wasn't an all-star this year, but that was mostly due to injury. Like, he's probably a better player now than he was then, obviously. It was kind of novel back then because he kind of came out of nowhere and was playing um, in a really unique style that just, frankly, he doesn't have to, like we've said a million times, he doesn't play that way anymore because he doesn't have to because Jimmy and Kyle Lowry are there. And now Tyler Hero, obviously, is growing as a ball handler and there's less Duncan Robinson. But to me, he's still, like, the number one guy that, he just needs to keep getting better, and and I think you know uh, the the shot the the volume shot volume aspect of it is like you don't want him just to shoot just to shoot as we've said like he right. but he needs to come up with counters and and better moves to to get good shots um and it's the same thing but it's it's a little different I, you know he's not no one in the NBA unless you're like Joel Embiid or, or Nikola Jokic is like unleashing incredible post moves on guys like. That you have to be an MVP level guy to really justify that. If not, you know, or be like, obviously he's not in the league now, but like when Enns Canner was like a valuable sixth man, like, you know, Al, Al Jefferson, like yeah. the, you can be valuable in, in a role with that, but that's not what Bam is going to be. He's got a, but he needs to figure out either the jumper needs to be a little bit more reliable or, you know, I said, if he develops that Giannis spin move, I think that would go a really long way. Obviously it's, easier said than done, but some move like that where you can go from the elbow and get to the rim and feel confident. Um, he's still number one on my list of like the guy who needs to take a, a leap forward. Um, the Tyler hero aspect of it is, is more interesting 
because one, he can get better, obviously defensively. Um, and that would go a long way to the Heat having confidence in him in the in the postseason. Um, even when you know the shots not going like it was throughout a lot of the playoffs. But he also is, you know, if there is a move that they make, like you said, a Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, Kyrie, whoever it is, Tyler is going to have to be in that trade. So, you know, we know Bam is going to be on this team no matter what next year. We know Tyler is probably going to be on this team next year, but, but there still is. If they're going to be proactive about trying to upgrade the roster and, and one of those guys comes available, then all of a sudden Tyler Hero might not be on this roster anymore. Yeah, yeah, all good points. And go back to Bam. I think it is we do have to mention like he has gotten better every season, every season pretty much. Um, yeah, he has. Average bright career has points and shots, shot attempts this season, ten rebounds, you know, three assists, one steal. But the one part that he took a step back on this year was just his efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because of just larger volume or like kind of a different role where he's asked to play more in isolation situations than he did before because with Kyle he can do that. Um, but his effect, effective field goal percentage, um, basically, which takes into th- you know into account threes and twos, right, uh, was in the 46th percentile on bigs, and a big part of that was because he shot 35% of mid-range attempts, which I think the year before he shot like mid 40, mid 40. Yeah, that was like one of the big stories of last year. Was like, guys, oh, figured this out. Yeah. yeah so I will say he, he had, hit a bunch of big ones in the playoffs. Like we know he can hit it. We know he has it in his game. Yeah, we know he has it in his game. It's just it wasn't it was. It wasn't there as consistently this year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if he's not going to be a post-up guy, which I don't think he will be, I think he's more of like a face-up, like uses athleticism to get by he's you. Six, nine. Yeah, he's 6'9", right. He's undersized as a center. He, that mid-range jumper is just going to have to be 40% or better. It's just going to have to for him to be – to reach his kind of peak – on offense. Um, and ideally he would become a three point shooter at some point, which I think, I still think will be the case eventually. Uh, but that would unlock so much of his game. Mm-hmm. If he could just hit like even just two threes a game, like not hit, let's take two threes a game. Like that would be huge for him and just kind of opening things up for him and the rest of the heat offense. So there's a lot of room for Bam to grow, I think offensively. Um, but you're right. I, you know, I, yeah, it'd be good for him to take 15 shots a game and be more consistent in that department. But, you also don't want him taking like you don't want your offense built around Bam ISOs. That's just not what you want. Yeah. So you kind of have to be smart about it. it has to be uh, in the flow of the offense. And with Tyler, I thought he did like eye test wise. I thought he was better defensively this year. Yeah, he's he's improved certainly. I mean, he was like a sieve there two years ago. Yeah, but the numbers not great. Uh, yeah. About 1.12 points per possession in isolation, 17th percentile in the NBA. Um, which is not good, obviously. <laughs> and T- he defended a lot of isolations because teams hunted him a lot. So there's a lot of room for him to grow there, too. I mean, he's never going to be an elite defender, obviously. Um, but if he can just be a little bit better, kind of like a Struess, I would say. Um, well, the, the guy I kind of feel like he should be, like, watching and Im- imitating a little bit on defense is Steph Curry because he's, they're both good rebounders for their size, right? That has always kind of been one of Tyler's strengths on that end of the floor. And, you know, both like the short arms, like thinner builds, like you're just not going to hold up like in isolation situations. But you make up for it by getting your deflecting passes and getting your hands. Like I like to see him just be a little bit more active, I think, on defense. Right. He's always I mean, and part of that is because teams are always trying to get him as the primary defender. So he doesn't get to like 
roam around a little bit and like try to jump passing lanes and, and make up for some of his defensive deficiencies by creating turnovers or, or screwing up possessions by just getting teams, uh, you know, taking a couple seconds off the shot clock. But I, I think if you just could, you know, you got to find those little tricks, right? Ways to, yeah. to make up for it. And I think Steph is a guy who obviously at one point in his career, and again, we're comparing him to like comparing Bam to Giannis is like not fair comparing uh, hero to step is not fair, but he is a guy who went from being one of the worst defensive players in the league to now being like kind of a league average defender. And it's not like he is, you know, he's, he's obviously gotten stronger and all that as his career has gone on, but he does not look like Max Struess or whatever he, there, there are ways he still looks kind of like Tyler hero. And there are ways that I think you can be a useful defender with IQ and activity that I think he can get to. Yeah. No, it's, that's a good comparison. Um, what is curious, because I've been thinking about this over the past few days. Assuming Tyler does step into the starting lineup, do you think it's just as simple as him sliding in for Max Struess? Or do you think there could be kind of a, another move there where maybe he replaces PJ? And now you have Mac, you have a lineup of... You have a lot of shooting. A lot of shooting. You have PJ on the bench where you could kind of limit his minutes a little bit more. 37 years old, obviously you lose some defensively. Offensively, you think you'd be better. Like what? I guess how, how would you kind of? Again, I don't even know if Al will start next year. I know he wants to be a starter. Kind of to yeah, me, it almost crazy, doesn't make sense right? because of the Jimmy Tyler thing, you know. But um, it feels like he's good enough to be a starter, and he probably will. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's crazy because when you think of when you're trying to construct a lineup, and again, like, it's kind of stupid to even have this conversation because the odds that P.J. Tucker plays more than, like, 50 games next year probably are not, like, super, like, right? There's just going to be guys in and out all the time with with the Heat. But come playoff time, if everyone's full strength, like, you think about what teams try to do when they construct their lineups. Ideally, they want no weak points on offense and no weak points on defense. Ultimately, that's not super realistic. So you try to make sure you have – just one guy on defense who can be targeted. And I think Struess is, who is a good defensive player, you know, if you're running Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Tyler Hero, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, like you're a little small is probably the one thing, but you're small even with PJ. So who cares? Um, And then you have like one guy to pick on. Basically it's Tyler Hero. He's got to get, to a level where you don't feel like he's over the numbers you said, like if you're scoring more than a point per possession yeah. every time you attack him, like that's just not going to be starting caliber for the heat in the playoffs, considering their goals. But if he can get that down and, and get a little bit closer to league average or 40th percentile or something like that, then then I don't think it's crazy to think that could be the lineup because, um, you know, PJ was obviously very good this year, but when those corner threes aren't going in, you're you're playing four on five on on offense basically with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I want to give credit to this person. I got I was taking questions for mailbag, and someone asked me that question. I thought it was interesting. I hadn't thought about that lineup when I looked mm-hmm. it up. It produced positive results, but I think it was only used like 15 minutes in the regular right. season, so it wasn't used much, but it fared pretty well in a limited sample. So. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. I still feel like you'd probably just sign in for Struess and PJ would start, but it makes sense. It kind of makes sense to really think about it that yeah. maybe that could work. Yeah, I mean, I think but a lot of it will depend on how PJ shoots, right? If he shoots like he did this yeah. year, then then he's got to be in the starting lineup, essentially. Um, yeah. But if he just shoot, if his three-point percentage, what did he finish at in the regular season? Like, it was 40%. Probably, 
40, yeah. right? Yeah, like if that if that drops to 37% or something, it changes a lot of the math. Yeah, just ask Duncan Robinson. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, a couple other things from the Pat Riley press conference. Um, Kyle Lowry kind of, you know, su- not subtly, I would say. It was pretty direct, but um, saying he's been in better shape. You know, he, he kind of, you know, he kind of explained it as it was a challenging year for Kyle. The move from Toronto, he'd been in Toronto for so long. He had the personal reasons, which had him going in and out of the lineup and missing weeks at a time and kind of took his mind off of basketball, which played a factor in kind of maybe staying in tip-top shape. Um, yeah. But Powell's Guys pretty cool. usually like, lose weight during the season, and he did not, yeah. and that's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. So but that was something definitely worth noting. Um, P.J. Tucker. Pat Riley definitely wants him back. Called him a cornerstone. Um, Feels like he's definitely going to be back, right? I would think, I, and I would, I would expect PJ to opt out honestly and become a free agent um, because he probably wants some more money and maybe another year or so on a contract mm-hmm. at 37 years old. But I think he will give it to him. It might end up being like a two-year, you know, 18 million dollar deal where they give him that million dollar raise um, next season and he gets the extra year. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Kayla Martin, obviously interest there, but Riley was less committal with them. Um, Duncan Robinson called him a three-point specialist, which that's what Duncan Robinson is, but said that, you know, that Duncan needs to improve as a defender and he needs to be better at getting downhill. Um, and that, that the message has been relayed to him many times, I think were Pat Riley's exact words. And Pat also challenged uh, Ira Winderman from the Sun Sentinel to a push-up competition. So there was that. <laughs> How did that come up? Um, Ira Winderman asked the annual question to Pat of, you know, have you thought about the oh, yeah. retiring? Yeah. yeah. And Pat answered it, you know, well, by saying that he still has that fire in him. He called it, he still has the, the dragon hasn't left his body from the game seven loss, which that's, yeah. He, yeah. he wasn't happy with that loss. And then he <laughs> challenged Ira to a push-up competition. You think Pat can still bang him out? I don't know. I see Ira a lot in those in those hotel gyms on the road. <laughs> Ira's always in there, so I got. I think I got Ira in this one. Oh I, wow! I've seen it firsthand, like him. Exactly. Yeah, we're we're basing Pat on uh on like forty year old film at this point. Yeah. Slash, I mean, slash videos of him dancing at uh Halloween parties. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that Pat could win the competition, but if I have to pick just because I've seen it with my own eyes, I've seen right. Ira on the elliptical. I'm going with Ira. Um, before we uh pivot over to maybe some uh like deeper pre off season preview and uh finals stuff uh you mentioned duncan robinson there um and you wrote up uh this morning um we're recording this on wednesday right wednesday wednesday afternoon um about duncan's latest podcast and kind of how candid he was about this season which obviously was a uh, major regression for him, um, his worst season he's had basically since that like rookie year when he was up for just a handful of games. Mm-hmm. Um, what was uh, what, what did what were the big takeaways from that for people who haven't had a chance to read it? Well, how open and vulnerable he was. He spent like 50 minutes talking about this postseason, how challenging it was, and obviously we knew it was hard. I mean, what player would be okay with just right. going from starting for three straight seasons and then getting you know, five DMPs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just interesting to see him kind of verbalize it. You don't really see that too often. Um, and that obviously happened on his platform. The questions that he, you know, that I'm not saying he curated the questions, but it was, you know, they yeah. could edit it. They could, it's more comfortable. It's a more comfortable setting for him. 
Um, and, you know, he's, he, he talked about the struggles of it kind of when he realized uh, when, like, the, rea- the new reality for him was that he was not going to be playing much. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that first two-game stretch in the playoffs where he yeah, played seven minutes in game two. And he said, like, he he said, I think, like, I have the quote here, I think that particular game one to game two shift in that series was something that probably let bother me a little bit more than I should have. And then game three, he went out and had, like, he got more minutes, but he didn't play well. And he thought it was, like, right. uh, just a uh, carryover from the first two games and how frustrated he was. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the playoffs. He also talked about how, fr- uh, not upset, but just kind of tough it was to deal with the fact that he, Game one in the second round, he got the DMP, his first DMP in three years. And then game two against Philly, he won by 16, and he did not go in until the final 55 seconds, right. basically play garbage time. Yeah, like Haywood Highsmith and yeah. Omar Yurtsevin were in before him in that game. He basically said, like, after the game, we got texts from, like, everybody saying, it's like, what's going on? You know, and he's – another interesting thing was he said, like, before the game, after the game, halftime, when, you know, you cross paths with 76ers players, like, on the court, they were like asking him, like, are you hurt? Is everything is like, what's going on? Why aren't you playing? Like they thought he was hurt. Um, so it was just an interesting kind of look inside of like kind of how, how tough it was uh, for Duncan. Um, and he admitted like a lot of the response, he, he took a lot of the blame for not being able, not playing because of his shortcomings and defensively how teams were able to take advantage of him and how he wasn't as good defensively as he would have hoped to be. Um, and basically said this offseason, he's working on his body again, trying to add weight trying to work on his mobility uh, because he knows, I think in the heat, I mean, Pat Riley said as much and the heat said as much with the decision to sit him for, you know, some of that playoff run, like he's got to be a better defender to stay on the court yeah. in those high level situations. So how can he, um, you know, that's one of the hardest things to to get better at defense. And we talked about with yeah. Tyler Hero. What, like what, what do these guys have to do? Do you think to, uh, to get, improvement on that side of the ball and again like if Duncan, so if Duncan shoots 43 percent or whatever this year we're having a totally different conversation about him because it you know the def- you can live with some defensive breakdowns yeah. if he's giving you an extra whatever points per game on his three-point shooting um so you know if he comes back next year as a 42 percent three-point shooter like he's gonna play more no matter what but I mean, that is the problem with being a three-point specialist. I mean, the the, the all-time worst one of these three-point specialist contracts is Davis Bertans, who, like, all of a sudden stopped making threes and becomes literally unplayable because it's all he does. Duncan is a more complete player than a guy like yeah. Bertans. Um, he needs to get better on things that are tricky to get better at. It's easy to get up in the gym and shoot 500 three-pointers in two hours or whatever and, and feel like you're improving. But defensively, it's a little trickier. Yeah. I mean, physically, he is who he is, right? Like, I think for him it comes down to, A, he fouls a lot. Right? Yep. So a lot of that's technique. So working on your technique. And I guess if you could improve marginally, he's never going to be Jimmy Butler or Bam out of bio on the perimeter. But if you can improve marginally your mobility and he said getting, you know, his um, Quicker feet, too, was a big emphasis for him. Um, that's hard. Like you said, that's hard to improve. Like, at this point of your career, he's, what, 27, I think? Mm-hmm. You are who you are physically. Um, but if he can, if he believes he could work to improve that, like, that would be something that would help him, obviously, on a defensive end. But I think a lot of it comes down to technique. And, um, I, you know, if he can just cut down on a foul or two, 
Yeah, that would help. That make a big difference. Save a couple points off the board. Get a couple points off the board. So I, I think it probably starts right there. Yeah, he could also still get stronger, right? I mean, yeah. that's a thing. He, like his body type is he's always going to be thinner, but um, I mean, you look at just Max Struess just having that solid base, and and Duncan just does not have the body type to get there, but like it makes a big difference defensively. You see it with Jimmy Butler, you see it with Kyle Lowry, right? The, the best defenders in the league tend to all have that that similar physique. Um, and Duncan can't get there, but he can get a little stronger, certainly. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think the offensive, you know, we saw it. What was the, the game five, right, of the Boston series where Duncan played a lot and made a couple, like, plays off the dribble? Mm-hmm. I think that that is where I feel the improvement is realistic because he's always been, like, kind of crafty around the rim. His handle is not great, I guess, and that is what kind of needs to improve and, like, hit the decisive, you know, the, the decision-making decisiveness of, like, you know, a lot of times when he comes off a screen, if the guy, if if he's not open enough, he gives it back to Bam or whatever, right? Or, or is moving it right away. Whereas if he can get to the point where he's coming off a screen, the guy's helped over and all of a sudden he can dribble twice, that yeah. makes a huge difference offensively for him too. Yeah. Pat Riley actually touched on that. Like, yeah. is him getting downhill more. Right. Um, like he has to turn the corner on those handoffs. Yeah, and I think he's a good he's a good finisher around the rim. Yeah, it's that he's first dribble or yeah. two, basically. Yeah, I, I thought he did more of it this season too. I mean, he yeah. probably could do more, even more. But I thought this season, especially like halfway through the year, he made an adjustment of, okay, if they're gonna overplay me, I'm gonna turn the corner and take it in. And like you said, game five um, against Boston, he did that a few times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just. I still think Duncan's a good player. Like I, I still think he can help this team. I think he makes the the offense better. Um, he shot, uh, you know, he got a slow start to the year shooting wise, but he shot over forty percent from three on that volume after you know from December on. Right. Um. So you know, I, I know like the way it ended, like it looks bad for Duncan and his future with the Heat, and yeah, his contract would help facilitate any deal that the right. Heat make right, if it's for a star. Like that's obvious. They need that type of contract. To package with a guy like Tyler Hero who makes you know five million next year and make the numbers work. But if Duncan's here next year, I, would you be shocked if he's in the rotation like to start the year? I wouldn't be yeah, shocked. He'll definitely be in the rotation to start the year yeah. if he's here. Yeah, so I, I still think he has he might a, start next year if he's here. I'll say I was would you be shocked if he started? Like if Max started the year shooting twenty percent on threes and he turned Duncan again. Like yeah. we've seen this too many times to rule a guy out. Like I think I still think Duncan's a really good player. Yes, he has to improve defensively. Yes, he has to become a better all-around player offensively. Um, but for what he is, um, he's still very, very good. And he's a he's an elite shooter. He's one of the best shooters on the team, and you can't have enough of that in the league, and you can't have enough of that uh, in the NBA these days. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Speaking of his contract and the size and the ability to facilitate other deals, we'll get more into... We'll we'll probably come back next week again and do maybe more a more, uh, like off-season centric preview of all the potential trade rumors out there and all the possibilities and do we want Kyrie Irving in Miami and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
But let, let's quickly, because you, I can't remember if you or Barry wrote like the offseason primer, basically, mm-hmm. like where they're at with contracts and all that kind of stuff and, and all the possibilities to upgrade. Um, what What is most intriguing to you? This If they're not, if they are going to upgrade, what, let's just say, what is the most interesting slash realistic, like combine them kind of upgrade you could see them making? The wrong guy to ask because I, I just think that like you think they're the same, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it won't be the exact same 15, guys, right? Yeah, they gotta, they'll have their I think, all that. I haven't yeah, looked at, I love looking at mid level guys, I'm excited to do that in the next week or whatever. Yeah, this creation class isn't great, no, it's horrible. I mean, there'll be a few guys that might be able to help them on the back end, but it's just not a great free agent roster with free agent class. Um, but I guess the name that makes people most exciting that seems even though. Still doesn't seem likely. I guess it's most realistic because we've seen rumblings that he's not too happy. Is Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Um, but you know, from everything you hear, all the reports that come out of Utah, they don't want to trade him. They want to build around him, um, especially with the All Star game coming to Utah next year. Like they want to stay competitive. Um, but all it takes is, you know, Donovan Mitchell, we've seen this so, so many times before in the league in the past few years, like for a star to say, I don't want to be here anymore, I want to be traded. And then you, everything changes and the Utah doesn't have to consider it. So I guess that's the most intriguing one. Um, when you think about the best offer that he could put together for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, I mean, we've said it, it's, Donovan, it's Tyler Hero, your best young asset, well, the best young asset you're willing to trade, I would say, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan Robinson to make the numbers work. And I guess... If Utah, they say Utah, you pick a you pick a young guy that you like from our roster, and we'll add him to the package, whether it's Max Strus, Gabe Vincent, Omar Yurt Seven, one of those guys, and then two first round picks. Um, you know they can trade 2022 and 2023. I know NBA rules say you can't trade consecutive picks, but if the Heat pick for Utah this year and then trade that player after and then include the 2023 pick, they can get that done. So that's the best possible package they can put together. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's likely. Um, but if you want me to rile up the audience, that's I guess that's the most uh, intriguing thing to keep an eye on. Well, Andy, we're about to get really dry on stuff to talk about, so uh, we need to rile up the audience in some way. Yeah, I, I get that. It's the offseason, too, so it's, it's time for that type of talk. So, uh, well, and you know they're talking about it. Right? Yeah, that's the other thing. Sure. Is you, know they're, you know Pat Riley is, is what – eating a bunch of uh, Donovan Mitchell tape and Bradley Beal tape and James Harden tape and Kyrie Irving tape and uh, calling a bunch of people to ask if yeah. Kyrie is worth worth the trouble or James Harden is worth the trouble, right? Like there's there's all these, like we said, it's a bad free agent class, but um, you know, James Harden is a, a player option. It'll be interesting to see whether he opts in. Or, it's a lot of money, but obviously guys tend to opt out of those when they're that level of guy. Um Kyrie, another one, obviously, on that player option. And then, um, you know, between between those two and Beal and, and Mitchell, who are will have to be trade guys. Well, Beal is also a, an option, but I think the expectation is he'll pick that up, right? Um, yeah. The, uh, you know, there are there Wizards will try to extend him one, one or the other. Yeah. Like there is there are, there are more, you know, there, there are names and there are always names that Definitely. come up. So and somebody, um, always, somebody always shakes free, I feel like. Like there's always a one guy for the season who. Yeah, what one of those four? Maybe I, I out of those four, how many do you think are on a different team? Uh, let's say by Christmas. Uh, zero. You said none of Harden, Beal, Irving, 
Mitchell on a different team by Christmas. I think I two. Think, I kind of think, think two. two. I, well, I think Kyrie like kind of feels definite to me at this yeah. point. I guess he'd be um, the one, right? And then I think between Harden, Beal, um, and Donovan, I'll take I'll take my odds with one of the three. I mean, I yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen with Harden and Philly at this point either, right? He and he and Kyrie are like the ultimate wild cards in the entire just, NBA right now. It'd be crazy. Philly gave up so much. I know. For James Harden to give up on him after. Well, I do wonder if that could be like if that could be a James Harden for Bradley Beal trade or something, or yeah. you know. Like, could two of those guys get flipped for each other? Right. Somewhere. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, again, all that he can do is put themselves in position to be in the game for that type of guy. And they will be. They have a good enough package they can put together. We just, you know, I'm, well, is it the best one out there? I don't know. I mean, you could argue the Knicks could put something together better. Um, or other teams could put together a better trade package. But the Heaters up there, they're, they're, it's a pretty good one. And if a star says, I want to go to the Heat, like, specifically, and has used his leverage to get to Miami, like, now that he has the draft picks to get a deal done, he has the asset to get a deal done, they have the contract and Duncan Robinson to facilitate that type of deal. Yeah. They can throw in another young player, you know, to make the offer even better. Like, they have the assets to get yeah. that type of trade done, where two or three years ago we were asking even if they wanted to get a guy like Bradley Beal, like they don't have enough. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They have as good a, uh, like cat. Yeah. I mean, obviously like Boston just has so many good players. They could, they could make one of like an upgrade happen, but out of like the contenders, I think the heat have, cause hero is pretty much as good a young asset as any of these contenders have other than maybe like the warriors combination of like Moody and, uh, Kaminga and Wiseman. And Wiseman yeah. They've got a lot of just numbers there. How, what, what, how much is the mid-level this year? Do we know? Yeah, I have it here. Um, it's 10 point something. That's pretty big. Yeah. I'm looking I'm looking at the list of free agents. Yeah, it's 10.3 million. Does. The full mid-level is 10.3 million. Um, and then the 4.1 the 6.4. Uh, 4.1 biannual and a 6.4 tax pyramid level. Exception. How about the Heat go sign Marvin Bagley? For a redemption project there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be guys Jones like that. Jr., but, Derek yeah. Jones Jr., he's a free agent this summer. It, it'll be guys like that, I think. That's that's what I envision. That's most likely. Like Joe Ingles on the mid-level? Joe Ingles is interesting because they could use – that would be perfect. Is that he going to make more than – like he made $13 million last year. I don't. I wonder how much. I wonder if he could get more than mid-level? a mid-level. He's 34. He's older. Like, is no. he gonna want a three-year, like, just like the last three-year yeah. deal from someone? But again, like a lot of the contenders just don't have cap space in the NBA. Yeah, there isn't much cap space. Gary yeah, Payton. Was, Gary Payton Jr. That feels like a Heat guy to me. Yeah, but they they need offense. They really. I know. Need. I know. That's why Ingles is like perfect. I mean. Otto Porter. I thought it was interesting too. Like during past press conference. Repeatedly, he kept saying, like, just emphasizing. Hassan. Then he kept emphasizing. He Miami. He, no, he, he saw his tweet yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where he says they serve a lot of love in Miami, which doesn't surprise me. He's a he's a lovable guy. Like, yeah. he's just like, a character. I'm sure a lot of people yell, Hassan! <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. They want selfies. And yeah. Um, Pat Riley really emphasized the need for two way guys. It was guys who. Yeah. 
you know, and that's obviously the goal for every team, but you can kind of tell that's the direction here moving in. And the way they played in the postseason, they played their two-way players. Like Victor so no Carmelo Anthony, you don't think? No, nah, I don't see it. Ingles is really interesting. He's the name. Yeah, that's I mean, Ingles, Ingles, to me, like, assuming all these guys have player options, let's just say they all opt in. Levine is obviously the prize of this summer, but to yeah. me, Ingles is kind of number two. Yeah. And he's on the cast base, but... I guess Aiton. I forgot about Aiton. Is like technically is a free agent, which is weird, but but they can offer him that full mid level. Uh, right. The only problem is you wouldn't have that mid level now for Caleb um, to keep him or even his victory of his bird rights. You don't have to yeah, victory of bird rights on. So you Caleb could, probably would have to. You're starting to spend a lot of money for spending the full mid level on yes. a guy, and then Victor's gonna want he's gonna want to get paid after. Yeah. I, I think Victor's going to get around the same amount, like around mid-level money, like nine, ten million. Yeah. And he's going to get multiple year offers from other, I don't, yeah. from other teams, I think. So he's yeah. going to be, he's going to be one of the, he's one of the most interesting. I'm, I'm just going to be really interested to see what, because I could see him coming back to the Heat on a one-year deal or whatever, but I could also see someone giving him like a four-year deal with like real money and being like. Like a, a, a mediocre to bad team that's either trying to get over the hump, thinks he can be like their fourth best player or third best player or something, or um, just someone who's like, you know, let's bring him in, let him run the ship, run the show for a year or two, and then maybe flip him near the end of that contract. Like, yeah. I think he's a guy I could see getting any different range of, of money. Basically. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be interesting. You know, he will obviously have interest, but yeah, it'll depend on the market for him if they bring him back. They have his bird rights, like we said, but there's going to be a line, right? They're, they're already right. close to the tax as is, so... Can you see them going into the tax? I could, because they only go into the tax, as they say, for title-contending teams. Right, exactly. And this, and this is a title-contending team. This is a title-contending team, so um, I don't think they'll want to go too deep into the tax, right? But if it's a couple million dollars or three million dollars, I, I don't think they would I don't think they would hesitate at that, especially since the repeater tax isn't a concern right now after they avoided the tax the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when, when they're avoiding it the last couple of years, you're, like you said, they're doing it for a year like this. Well, this so can go this. into it. Yeah. So. And then next year, when Tyler Hero's extension kicks in, if Hero's still here, that's, they're going to be in the tax for a few years. The way right. So that's true, up. actually. Maybe they do try to avoid it this year. And But again, like, you know, Jimmy's getting older. Kyle's right. getting older. Like, you got to win. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's the challenge for this team, right? Because the window is now for Jimmy, Kyle, for PJ. Um, but you're trying to thread that needle with the young guys on this team. Like, right. how long can you because, wait? For yeah, Tyler because Tyler and Bam, whenever those guys are gone, if those guys are still here and and continue progressing in this linear-ish sort of fashion, all of a sudden you're still an attractive destination for the next. Yeah. For, you know, Zion Williamson or whatever, like. And right. you, you don't want to you don't want to mortgage that possibility um, for this this group. Short sighted move, yeah. Yeah, but again, yeah. when you're when you're trying to win a title, that's it's like the the Lakers thing, right? Like, did they overpay for Anthony Davis? Who cares? They won a championship, right? Or when the Heat when they got Shaq and they traded all the young, you know, yeah. brought other away and yeah, well, two years later they win like ten games, right? Right, right. So you won a title, so it worked out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's a balance that the Heat are trying to strike. And again, I think if it's the worst case scenario is they bring this team back, they're going to be a contender. They're going to be still be a very, very good team. Um, but if there's something out there that will make them better, 
you know the Heat are going to try for it. Um, so it'll be an interesting offseason like usual. Um, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. Thoughts, NBA finals thoughts. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, Plural. Uh, other than like the Celtics remain very strange to me. Um, yeah. They're just like such a weird team. Like they're they're losing so a lot of quarters in this show. series. What? They're losing a lot of quarters in this series. I mean, yeah, that means that uh, <laughs> Golden State's already won the title. Um, yeah, like they're they're so dominant in stretches, and then other stretches, it's like, what are you doing? You know, and all, it almost always comes down to like the turnovers for them. Like when they don't turn the ball over, it seems pretty simplistic. But like when they don't turn the ball over, and it was against this, it was like this for, against the Heat too. I'm tired of this narrative, by the way. This but like just oh, they could only stop turning the ball over. That's who they are. They like have one of the most turnover prone teams in the league. Like, but then there's other, yeah. then there's games that take care of the ball and they're like incredible. Yeah, there's games with game bad three point shooting teams shoot forty two percent from three. Like it's part of the, who they are. Like they're outliers and they don't turn it over. Those are the outlier games for them. I, I need people to stop making this excuse that if they just stop shooting themselves in the foot, that's what happens when your second best player can't dribble can't and it's right. a shooting guard. I mean, their, their offense is obviously. They're very similar to the Heat in that way, where like their defense is always going to be yeah. very, very good, and their offense is hitting like some games it's going to look good when they're hitting shots, and other yeah. games it look awful. Um, I, to me, and I said this in the beginning, I think Boston's a better team than Golden State. I just do. I, I think they're, I think they're deeper. I think they have more quality players. I don't think Steph is as good as he was three years ago. I don't think Clay is anywhere close to where he was a few years ago. And then obviously you don't have Kevin Durant. And just the depth on that roster just isn't that impressive to me, especially with Wiseman out. Um, but I never count on Steph. Steph is still incredible and one of the top players in the league. I just I think there's a different Warriors team as you're wearing a Golden State shirt there. Yeah, I've got my um, Steph. I think there's a different Warriors team than what we've seen the past, you know, the last three years before he, he fans will be fine with the Warriors shirt when they're playing the Celtics. So I figured I no, could wear it. For sure. I'm sure. Most Heat fans are going for Golden State. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's very much like, yeah, the Celtics, like, have probably have the second through, like, fourth best players in the series. But Steph is just, like, on a different planet right now, I think. And, yeah, um, he's still the best player in the series, for sure. Yeah, I feel good about my, my take that he's the second best player in the league, still. I don't know about that. I still think Giannis <laughs> and KD are the two best, but... Maybe, but, but KD was terrible in the playoffs, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm a KD guy, too. He's a Maryland guy, you know... PG County, like I, I ride. That's why I'm a Victor Oladipo guy too. But uh, you know, Steph has just been that first that first quarter of Game One. I was like, oh my God, he's gonna average like 45 in this series. I know. Yeah. But the Celtics like just forgot to guard him. Like he got like he got more wide open threes in that first quarter than I think I saw him get the entire playoffs. It's almost like you watch the Celtics being saying like, okay, we gotta like we're trying to adjust to this. Well, that was literally what, what Marcus yeah. Smart said, right? And yeah. then mic'd up. He was like, this is in the Heat series. We gotta yeah. guard these guys. We gotta like step up and deny the three. We can't be sagging back on Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Uh. It's not Jimmy Butler anymore. Um. Yeah. How do you think the Heat would be faring in this series? Are you thinking that at all when you're watching? I. I mean, who? who it depends on injuries, obviously. If Tyler would have yeah. been able to play. But I thought the East was a lot better than the West. The East is way better than the West. You're looking at the way that the Warriors ran through the West, and now the East is like a dogfight. With the Celtics team that, again, like they beat the Bucs without Middleton and the Heat without Hero. Like they had to grind through two series against shorthanded teams. Yeah. I I, I think the Heat, 
the Bucks and the Celtics could beat the Warriors in the series. Yeah. It would be so weird to see the, the Heat Celtics or the Heat uh, Warriors contrast would be like so, so strange. Oh, yeah. So the way that so the Heat are just slow and just like trying to get to the rim and get fouled and like whacking people in the head. And then the way that the Warriors like just. I mean, that stretch they had at the end of the uh, right is the end of the third quarter where Poole pool hit the deep yeah. three and then hit another one. Steph also had a really deep three at one point. Yeah. Like that is just like we haven't seen the Heat like ever do but anything like Tyler that. Hero, Tyler Hero can do that. Tyler That's Hero can do that, and Duncan can hit from deep, although he's not like pull up like that necessarily. Tyler Hero is more like a Jordan Pool type of guy. I feel like yeah, where he can do that type of flashy stuff. But that's about it on the Heat roster. I know. Yeah. And, and I guess you could say like, Bam still reminds me a lot of Draymond. I know yeah, he does. He's not really a center. He's much but... better offensive player than Draymond right now. Yeah, well, Draymond I, was really good in game two. Yeah, but just as like that in the, in the short role as a facilitator in that pocket, and obviously defensively what Bam can do, like he kind of is like the mo- I don't want to say modern day version, but like yeah. the center version of Draymond. Yeah. Uh, it would have been like obviously Draymond's still gonna play for a couple more years, but like couldn't you see if if this was like if Draymond was like two or three years older, like we get a story in two summers like after Draymond's been retired, like Bam spent the off season working with Draymond, like oh, yeah. it feels well, we like. We saw in the Olympics, like those, they became very close. Right. Yeah. And they it's were true. like basically Draymond and him were like working together on different things, and they struck a friendship. So yeah, I think those guys, two guys, know like they're really similar. Yeah. All right, um, I think we can wrap things up there. Um, we'll come back next week, I guess. Um, yeah. Do because so we got. Let me pull up my calendar. We've got two weeks from now. Will be the day before the draft, right? The day of the draft. Yeah. So we'll have an episode that comes out on the day of the draft, I guess, to kind of preview mm-hmm. it. He'd, pick, he'd have a first-round pick, which is fun. We'll have to as, of now, yeah. some, as of now. Could be could be the part of a Bradley Beal trade or something. Um, and so next week we'll come back, maybe do like kind of a off-season preview um, mm-hmm. because it'll all obviously start. You know, there will be a bunch of trades go, during the draft, like there always are. Um, although I think there like weren't weirdly last year, right? It was like something like we all thought it was going to be a bunch of stuff and then didn't happen. So, but yeah. anyway, the off season really gets started next week. The finals could be over, um, or at least we'll be pretty deep into them and we'll be full into off season mode. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, thanks as always for listening. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, you've got lots of heat stuff still coming all the time. Yeah, no, enough to keep me busy. Enough to keep me busy. That's for sure. Never yeah. born again, the EP. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Uh, quiet all around the sports department these days. You know, we thought this, we thought we were going to be going until the end of June between yeah. the Panthers, the Heat, Miami baseball, and all of a sudden it's just, just the Marlins getting into having 90-minute-long team meetings or whatever. Team, oh, the Marlins and team meetings, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's 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 gotten a little quieter here in South Florida, but that's fine. I think everyone is uh exhausted from uh the last month or two I mean, dolphins camp is just around the corner we'll be they're 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 out there every day now i yeah. i can never keep track of when the nfl is going it feels like it, they're really like practicing all the time somehow yeah 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 we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy these next two months before everything picks up again so exactly and, and, uh, yeah thanks. and the nba for agency like you said in the drafts and everything that everything that happens yeah once, once we get to draft week it's we're busy Those for another weeks. couple and then you go to vegas for summer league yeah. so yeah yeah that the next, once the draft hits, 
like that next those next three weeks are busy between the draft, so, great C, and then summer league. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be coming back a lot for the next I don't know probably the next three four next weeks month or so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So no shortage of content here on the Heat Check Podcast. Uh, Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.